welcome to this week's Three Legs Four Wheels F1 podcast. It's Paul here with... Sean. Chris. Lee. Sorry we weren't around last week, but um, it was a combination of, well, everything really. You ever had one of, one of them weeks when nothing works, in, in, which in my case included my own uh, chest? <laughs> you feeling better now? Yeah, I'm feel, feeling loads better. It was just um, it was a torn tendon that I've got that keeps flaring up from time to time when I pick up anything too heavy. Oh. And let's face it, I've been carrying this show for long enough. Way. <laughs> uh, so we are back with um, an interesting, an interesting couple of weeks in Formula One. Every every time we have a week off, everything everything goes mad. Exploded. Well, silly. I think we can actually say silly. Uh, I tell you what, though, it's it's slightly good that we didn't do a a, um, a podcast last week because. I'd have been quite upset to mention that I think we had a rubbish Belgium. There's been, there's been, better, there's been better Belgiums. Mm, I'm, all, yeah, I'm, made... I'm already struggling to tell you too much about it. Mm, it was just, yeah, just a bit of a DRS train, wasn't it? Nobody could really do anything. And um, it got me thinking. Uh, if Obviously, we have to wait till next year to see what happens. But I wonder if with these new cars being so different, if we're going to see like shakeups in what was a bad and a you know and a, and a good race. I mean, last year Zandvoort, the you know the, the banking was cool, but it was a rubbish race. Um, this year at Zandvoort, looking great. See, I remember last year Zandvoort being okay. Just thinking, yeah, all right, you know, needed a Dutch Grand Prix, but okay, I get it. Yeah. I, th- I think it was more the case. Well, it had the same. It had the problem last year that Bel- that Belgium had this year, where people just didn't seem to be able to get around each other. I mean, Zandvoort's a pretty narrow track to begin with. Mm. And looking at all the old footage that's been coming out, because obviously they're having to show things from the seventies and early eighties, it's wider than it used to be. Yeah, but so are F one cars. But that's the problem. Um, with Belgium this year, I don't know. I mean, the, the whole new sort of Eau Rouge Radion area, which now they've painted the Belgian flag on the outside, it's Eau Rouge Amber and Black. Mm. Still never found out if they were um, if they were the um, high um, high friction surfaces that they put, like they've got in France, just to see if they can slow the cars down any if somebody's uh, running wildly wide round there. Maybe I, it would make sense. It's got to be a punishment to run wide, doesn't it? Mm. That's the thing. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And obviously, we all, th- we all thought before Belgium it was going to be the last Belgian Grand Prix, but now that apparently is coming... Well, no, it's not apparently. It is coming back next year, but it's Kyle Army that's not going to make it onto the calendar. Yeah, so it's what it's so, a one-year one deal for Spa, mm. pending further talks, so... And some of these talks are rumoured to be alternating with Paul Ricard. Mm-hmm. Please, no. No, no to that. Just just, just have Belgium. Just have, just have Belgium. I, I don't understand the Paul Ricard thing. Like, there's, so many, there's so many circuits now that want to get into Formula 1. Um, I mean, I suppose we would, maybe, maybe there's a connection there. We're still having Renault in with Alpine and um, a couple of French drivers. But you, you just got to kind of think to yourself... The teams hate going there. The fans hate it. That, but they they must know that. And there are so, other there are other French circuits that are better. Yeah, but but there's other people that want to give Formula One loads of money. It's not like they're they're running out of places to go for races. No. But the the thing with France is, is it is the birthplace of Grand Prix racing. 
So that's fair. That's well, what, that's, we, that's we, why we, we have the French Grand Prix and not the French Big Prize. Well, we went for an. Um... We went for a few years without a French Grand Prix, didn't we? About a decade, I think, yeah, yeah. pretty much, give uh, or take. Yeah, about ten years. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there was nothing. Given wrong. Paul Rickard, I'd be happy. I'd be happy to do that again. I mean, I didn't think there was anything wrong with Manny Coe. No, absolutely not. I think I think with the way that that track is, it'd probably suit the current cars better than uh, what is a, what is essentially a big test track. Yeah, this is exactly what it is. Yeah. Mm. Or if they're going to use it, use the bloody sprinklers. Ah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Bernie, you're right. <laughs> That's the only one he's getting from us. Um, <laughs> right, a couple, couple of interesting um, newsy bits obviously happened while uh, while we've had the week off, ma- mainly involving Oscar Piastri and the knock-on effect of everything that Alonso and Vettel have done between them. Mm. So the Contract Recognition Board have finally got around to meeting... And releasing the information, which they met last Monday, so we thought there was going to be Tuesday news when there wasn't even a Monday show. And of course, there wasn't Tuesday news because we didn't record on Monday night. So Oscar Piastri's contract, um, as it turns out, he never had a contract for next year with Alpine. And he only had an agreement to be a reserve driver for them and split reserve driver duties with McLaren this year. And after reading a couple of articles from actual serious F1 journalists, like um, I think Dieter Renkin was one of them, and he's good because he writes for Auto Motor and Sport, and we trust them. Yeah, we do. Um, yeah, they only um, they only sent a one one year agreement through for the uh, for this season with full contract to follow, and it never followed. Hmm. So apparently, this agreement was going to say that he was going to be in Williams for a year or two. So. That's Latifi out. And now it explains the Alban trolling. Yeah. What, sorry? Yeah. Well, Alban released a statement when after um, William said he'd re-signed for them. And it was a word-for-word mm. word copy of what Piastri had said, apart from, I approve of this, and I agree with this, and I will be driving. So he did. Yeah. I'd forgotten about that timing-wise. Yeah. To be fair, though, that might, it might not be connected that because every single professional motor racer seemed to do the same thing at the same time. Yeah, there, there was a lot of those tweets going oh, around. Yeah, yeah but I, th- I think he, I think he had more inside inside knowledge of who his teammate yeah, was going to be next year or not. Yeah, yeah. So Piastri is now going to McLaren. Um, Ricardo appears to be seatless at the moment, and let the silly season commence because. Um, everybody and the grandma in the Red Bull organisation has said, yes, we're trying to get Colton Herta next year. Oh, well, I mean, they've said they're getting Colton Herta or they're not releasing Gasly, which mm. must feel really good if you're Liam Lawson. Yeah. <laughs> well, do you know, did you, anyone watch the Ted's Notebook? A little bit. I sort of dipped in and out. Uh, when, they, when they were talking about this on Ted's Notebook, um, oh, what's his name? Fuck me, Red Bull guy, the Bond villain. Um, Helmut Marco. Helmut Marco. Yeah, he, he <laughs> that was in stereo plus <laughs> one. We know who you mean. <laughs> the eye guy. Um, he turned around and said, uh, "The yeah, we're not going to release um, Gasly unless mm. we can get Herta, uh, because we're only going to replace Gasly if there's somebody fresh and exciting we can put in the no, car." No, he didn't say somebody fresh and exciting. He said something fresh and exciting. 
drivers are a commodity. Yeah. They're not people. They're things that he owns. Yes, that's not that's not shocking. That's, <laughs> that's fucking awesome. Although, although when it comes to having somebody running your um, running your driver program, that's the one I'd get. Mm-hmm. See what I did there? Yes, <laughs> I did. <laughs> so if. Colton Hurst has allowed his super license, which Stefano Domenicali is saying no at the moment. Um, but if it does happen, then Gasly's on his way to Alpine. Which it would appear so. Which would be the best possible move for him because at the moment, every time he gets into the car, he's got that sticker on his wheel saying, "You'll never leave." <laughs> yeah, I think I think it'd be a good move for him. And then that that just leaves the issue of is Ricardo finished? Yes. So he's being linked to the Mercedes reserve drive. Yes. According to the internet, which apparently will be a one or two year deal, and then he will be Lewis Hamilton's replacement. Any th- did, any it, thoughts? I think well, that's what he thinks. Yeah. yeah. Um. I mean, I I hazard a guess. I've. I think if if anybody's going to be like Lewis Hamilton's replacement, as in like replacement, it's going to be George Russell within the team. Um, and I think Nick DeVries is good enough that if he can get his frame into that Williams seat, which looks pretty good, um, I I would think if Lewis decided to rate, you know, two years maybe, if if that's where... Lewis sees himself. That's what they're saying at the moment. His current contract runs out at the end of 23, and they think he'll sign a one-year deal to the end of 24 and then probably retire um, at the moment. So does Ricardo want to hang around for two years at Mercedes and, you know, prove that he's some kind of beast in the few uh, runs that he'll get in that car? Maybe he'll be really good in the sim. Who knows? Or if you're McLaren, uh, McLaren, if you're Mercedes, to me, you don't look at um, you, you don't look at your reserve driver necessarily unless uh, it's it's a young and up-and-coming driver. Uh, and unfortunately for Daniel Ricciardo, he's not a young and up-and-coming driver anymore. No. He's in his 30s. Uh, and I think Mercedes would probably look elsewhere for an understudy mm-hmm. to George Russell. I mean, it's not saying it's impossible. It's certainly possible. I'm yeah. just saying I don't think it's probable. It's, it, it, it doesn't feel like... Um... It doesn't. It doesn't feel like a racy move for me. You know, it's if if you look at what it's like the reverse of what McLaren are doing in replacing him. You know, like McLaren have got like a young fucking team for next year. Now I know Lando's been in Formula One for for a few years, but he's he's still a young driver. And then you've got like a young rookie next to him as well. Um, Interest interesting point from Virtual Statman. This will be the first time in McLaren's history where they've had two drivers that have only driven in Formula One for McLaren. That's interesting. There you go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. see, I went, I went way back to like the. In my, well, I didn't go researching, trying to prove him wrong. But I thought, hang on, it's second, not, must... it's not worth trying. No. I was like, <laughs> yeah. there must have been a point in the sixties when Bruce McLaren was, you know, was driving his own car, mm. and then I thought, ah, no, because Bruce McLaren drove for other teams. Yeah. So... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. I, it's a shame, I like, and I really wish that um, Daniel could, you know, could could have done could do something else and to to go somewhere or do something. But 
I, maybe the only thing that Lifeline has got left is if uh, Herta can't get super license points, maybe that will force the hand of Alpine to give him like a year's deal until they can sort out what's going on. I think, some... I think that would probably be the only thing because mm. the, um, there isn't really a lot of other drivers on the fringes. I mean, we've looked, we've, we've joked, well, we've joked about Hulkenberg before. Mm. There's Nick DeVries. Mm-hmm. Um, then again, there is a complete and utter wild card thrown in there because Felipe Drogovic is in danger of winning F2 and he's not even... No, no, he's not in danger of winning F2. No one is catching him in F2. He he is going to win F2 and he's not even tied to an F1 team. Mm. This is is absolutely why they need to lift the... um, this whole thing that you can't race for two years in F2, isn't it? Or race once you've won. Yeah. It's, it's, It's such a silly rule that's... Well... Uh, Nick DeVries is a perfect example of it, isn't uh-huh. he? Yeah. He won he, the F2 Championship, he, didn't he? And he then was thrown into limbo. He won it. Latifi came runner-up. Latifi got the F1 seat. Yeah. Madness. DeVries went on to become the first Dutch motorsport world champion. He did. Yeah. That is true. But I'm sure he'd have probably rather had a go in F1. Mm. Of course. Well, I don't know. Um, I, think he would, I think he would like to have a go now, but mm-hmm. he's he's done the world championship thing. Now let him prove what he can do in F1. I don't know that he's going to... I think I have a funny feeling Williams are going to stick with what they've got. I, I just don't think they will because they don't need all the Latifi money anymore. No. You know, Dor- Doralton have brought some serious funding in there. And uh, I Lati- mean, presumably Drogovic has got to F2 without a team behind him. He must have some money. Oh, he's 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 got money. I mean, his dad owns a um, massive car spares business in Brazil. Oh, I mean, that's useful as well. Yeah, but Mercedes can turn to Williams and say, "Here's free engines." That that is a point. Um, you know, Drogovic and Co could turn around to Williams and say, "Here's some free repairs." Then again, they'd come back with, "Why is he going to crash a lot?" Yeah, <laughs> we've already um, got we've already got one that does that. I think it will either be DeVries or Logan Sargent that gets the Williams seat. But I'm edging towards... Don't think um, Sargent. Yeah, Sargent's gone off the boil a little bit. I think he needs another year. Um, I, I'm, I'm edging towards DeVries anyway just because mm. of the Mercedes hookup. He, and o- the fact he, only that... he only needed seven corners on Sunday. Yeah, he crashed twice. i tell twice. you what, that'd be... Because, I mean, I obviously, as if I've got any sort of extra knowledge about things, but... Uh, I rate DeVries really highly, you know, it's and to for him to win F two, to go through the disappointment of not getting to Formula One and then to win Formula E, you know, there's clear there's clearly something to him. You know, it's he's not it's not just he he deserves his shot. And he looks about fifteen years younger than he actually is. He looks like a Funko Pop. We've been through this. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody described him sitting in the Mercedes garage on Sunday as is it bring your son to work day? <laughs> yeah, it it, co- it caused quite the quite the stir. This the Funko Pop thing. The uh, I, I, I had a I had a reasonable amount of support on that front. I, I think it's fair. I think it is fair. Very wide head. Um, then there might be another seat coming for you at Haas because it's there's more and more stories about Mick Schumacher trying to save his career, and of course he's now leaving the Ferrari program at the end of the year. Yes, yes, apparently so. Mm. And Giovinazzi is getting a couple of FP1s. 
I don't think. I don't think. No, I don't think Giovinazzi is in contention for a seat. Well, that's Daniel Ricciardo. Daniel, Daniel, don't forget that he he was the first person contacted, uh, but he was told in Hungary that um, he was going to be out of McLaren, and obviously it must have passed through the the paddock grape grapevine. And Gunther Steiner was the first person that went to him, and he's offered him a job. So, I, I, but this was part of the thing where Ricardo was saying, that he, with a given where he's been in the sport, he doesn't. If he stays in the sport, you know, he wants to be in something competitive. Um, I'm not convinced that he he has the luxury of that type of choice. Mm. I mean, this, this, uh, it's it's a Villeneuve-esque career trajectory, isn't it? I think this, this is the thing, though. If you go to Haas and you do a good job yeah, for a yeah. year, there's a chance if someone disappears higher up the grid, you get that call. If you go and sit on your ass at Mercedes for two years, no one is going to come. You know, if like a Ferrari seat opens or something, no one's coming for the Mercedes he, reserve he, driver, they, driver. They might no, go for yeah. someone who's doing a very good job in Haas. Yeah. Will, Will Buxton and Lawrence Barreto on, on, the, on the F1 channel were basically saying that that they thought Ricardo was out of the frame for the Haas seat, and that the drivers that were that were in the pecking order way ahead of Ricardo included Nico Hulkenberg. Wow! Uh, only recently been passed by Nicholas Latifi in the drivers' championship this year. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> oh come on! We've got to support everyone's favourite Canadian barrier botherer. Yeah, it's stroll. It's just crazy, <laughs> though, isn't it? I know what you. I know what you're saying there, like Villeneuve-esque, like career trajectory. And you, you, you're right. I get it. But you know, he's a uh, Villeneuve. Villeneuve had an excuse. Every car since the one he won the world championship in was fucking bobbins. <laughs> you know. So the uh, like he had an excuse, and he 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 kept like I mean, given the fact his best mate was was running BAR, and he was collecting fucking fat stacks for those seasons he was doing, but um, you know it's it he he never really got the like the chance to show more because I I often point that out to people that it would have been interesting if he'd have had a better car for um like for more seasons. Because he he essentially mirrored Lewis Hamilton's first two years in Ferrari in Formula One. In, Fer- you know, narrowly, in Ferrari, you've been you've been predicting yeah, the future again. <laughs> um, narrowly missing out on his on a, a world championship in his, in his debut season, and then winning it in the second second season. Um, so you know, it's, I, I I think I think I think Villeneuve. Because he's been he's outspoken, which I, I I love him being outspoken. I think it's fucking great. Um, I think people forget sometimes now because he's he's almost like a bit of a caricature of himself. How much of a seriously good racing driver he was. We'll get to, we'll get to find out a week on Wednesday. Was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's doing um, he's doing some laps in last year's Alpine round Monza the Wednesday after the Grand Prix. Mm. Um, part of the celebrations for his twenty fifth anniversary of winning his championship and um as was pointed out before we uh, before we started recording hang on he didn't win the world title in a renault or a benetton or a endstone i'm just gonna point out that he uh he made his foot he made his last comeback in formula one with renault with alonso was a teammate now 
I mean, they've got a seat for it, but he's aiming for NASCAR now, he says. He's doing Euro NASCAR. Yeah. Or the NASCAR Euro Wheeland Series, to give it its full title. Mm. Um, which I've seen precisely half a race of, and there was a crash. Did Villeneuve finish his F1 career with, with Renault? I thought he was with BMW. Got replaced by Kubica. Um, no, his last his last comeback was um, was in a Renault for about four races. Mm. Possibly I at the end of this entirely. Possibly at the yeah. end of a season because he kept, he you and never he sort knew, of disappear and came back. Yeah, you never knew where it was going to be from one minute to the next. Yeah, it didn't it didn't go well. It wasn't it wasn't covered in glory. It's not like a. Alonso-esque return here. Actually, the the other thing about Villeneuve is assume, yeah, he leaves the team and they get good. Now, see, that's an yeah. Alonso thing. Because, yeah, that's very Alonso. <laughs> because he left Renault at the end of 2004. And what happened with Renault in 2005? It's actually a battle of the bad luck here, isn't it? Because <laughs> um, you've got Alonso, which is leaving Alpine, to go to so you like logic would dictate that means Alpine's in the championship hunt next year, um, but Vettel would leave and Austin Martin would dictate Austin Martin should be in the championship hunt as well, but it can't be because Alonso's going there and he only makes bad decisions. Uh, yeah, he did two seasons at Sauber and then Sauber BMW after Renault. Um, I, one and a half. I seasons. can't remember any of that. I remember him getting replaced by Cubit, so that's that's about all of that I remember. Mm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I have no more to say on that other than no, that exists. No, it, it was it was it was definitely it was definitely a thing. Um, why did he? Uh, why did he quit? Or did he get fired? I think I think it was that Cubitza was bringing a bit more to the. Party. Yeah, like speed, talent, and uh, at that time, two functional arms. Mm. Mm. Um. Oh, yeah. They um they sacked him. Although, um, he did tr- Villeneuve, according to Wikipedia, did try to come back to Formula One twice. Once in 2010 with Stefan Grand Prix. Oh God, the ones that were using oh, the yeah. old the old Arrows cars that. F1 said, no, you're not having an entry. And they said, we're turning up anyway. And then didn't get I, I, So that's not I, quite I, how it works, is it? I appreciate the hustle. <laughs> I'm just going to quietly sneak these F1 cars onto the grid. No one will notice. <laughs> and um, then with his team in partnership with Durango Racing. Who? Um, I don't know, but they folded in 2006. I've heard that name before, Durango Racing. They were in GP2 for a few years. Oh, maybe maybe it's in that. Definitely, definitely sounds like um, uh, wacky racist team, doesn't it? Mm. I mean, they've, they've had some such um, quality um, quality drivers as um, Ferdinando Monfardini. Um, I thought you were going to say, like, Ferdinando Hamonzo, then. It's just like they get unlicensed fictional drivers <laughs> from video games. Um, Clivio Piccioni and Davide Valsecchi. I'm waiting for a Valsecchi comment. No, no. Riot and Tenor. <laughs> 
John Newhouse. <laughs> that's 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 still the all time best. Um, any anything else newsy while we're while we're still in date before something happens tomorrow? I can't think, think so. of anything. Um, right, Dutch Grand Prix. Oh, sorry, quick, sorry. Quickly, we didn't because we didn't speak last week. Audi Formula One team. Oh yes. And, and Porsche and Red Bull collapsing. Yeah, it looks like it, doesn't it? Some something's going on there. Mm. I wonder if that could like if Porsche Porsche are like committed to to an entry into Formula One. Um, I wonder if you could see them go with like a Williams or something like that. If that if it falls through with Red Bull, I think if it falls through with Red Bull, um, they'll buy Aston Martin. Maybe. Maybe because I think they've so. got till the fifteenth. Is it fifteenth of September or fifteenth of October to put their paperwork in and have it ratified by the FIA? Otherwise, the entry is going to be twenty twenty seven. Wow. I, I I reckon I reckon they'll put it put it in with a proviso that they can. Um, well, it, I mean, it gives it gives them another um, three years to effectively prepare. Mm. But yeah. I I think they'll I think they'll end up buying Aston Martin. Because the rumour is that Stroll is desperate to sell. They've had a bad shares day, I think, Aston Martin. I read some shit about yeah. this earlier. The only um the only issue you've got, and this is this is why I think it will go go ahead, because it's an absolute no brainer for Porsche. Because it's it's almost like it's almost like the value for money that um Alfa Romeo have got from Salba. Because uh, Obviously, Porsche will be putting a little bit more in than what Alpha's put into Salba. Mm. But the the engine infrastructure is already there. You know, Red Bull powertrains is already a thing that's already building engines, or along with Honda, which are obviously going to fade fade away. But no, they're, also, no, they're not. They'll come back. They'll do everything. No, they're, they're, I was just going to say they've already said they were like the. There's been a hundred that saying, "Yeah, we want back in Formula One now." Mm. Now, now, now the with the engine regs being done and the the talk was what i was uh listening to that they will buy toro rosso if they decide to come back in that would that would probably make sense because it off it offloads red bull they then they then only have to produce half the amount of engines that they were going to mm-hmm. have to do before because they're going to be they were going to be supplying toro rosso and honda keeps coming back to formula one like fernando alonso keeps coming back to Enstone. Yeah, I still don't think this is the last time he's left. No, no, it's like it's proper broke back. He can't quit them. <laughs> but yeah, Audi, um, not actually signed up with the team yet. But current thinking is this: um, it's going to be what is currently Alfa Romeo, but it's the Sauber organization, and they're on yeah. the verge of purchasing seventy-five percent of the um, the entire team. And yeah. with Alfa Romeo announcing that their deal with Sauber finishes at the end of next season I think they'll just go straight from being Alfa Romeo to being Audi F1 I don't think they'll go from I think they'll go back to Salba first they I don't have to yeah because the, the agreement runs out doesn't it in 2023 yeah so if 24 and 25 they've currently got no title sponsor so they might have to run as Salba um, and regardless of how misguided this might be um, Alpha, uh, sorry, uh, Audi. They want to have their first season fighting for championships. You could see the way they were talking, and 
um, how the, you know it's uh, we we, are, we we want to be extremely competitive when we when we come into Formula One. Well, extremely competitive is Mercedes, Red Bull, and Ferrari. Mm. So what you're saying is you want to win races from your first season. Yeah, but that's what BAR uh, said. It's what Honda said. Um, <laughs> no, BAR said they were going to win their first Grand Prix. They put it all on the line. They were, no, they were, going to, they were going to get pull and win their first Grand Prix without a Mechachrome engine. Yeah. Wow. So the Mechachrome-powered BARs didn't finish their first Grand Prix that they started at the back of the grid. No. And do you know what? I, I still, I did a slight digress here, but because we're back on BAR, I still think that um, Formula One made a mistake uh, with them by not allowing them to run separate liveries. I think now it would be fucking great to have cars like that were more tailored style wise to each driver. So I agree and disagree at the same time. I think I think you you do need to allow a little bit more individual styling, but at mm-hmm. the same time, you know, you've got to be able to tell Anybody who's starting to watch the sport for the first time needs to be able to tell that the two cars are teammates, for example. But yeah, like in, in Indy car, rev- I think revenue, do- aren't you? Yeah, Indy car, I think takes it too far in that, that you haven't got a fucking clue who's a teammate there. Yeah, because they're all two thing. But yeah, I think you could you could definitely allow a bit more creativity. I think, but th- but then but then you look at then you look at F two, and about ninety percent of the grid is a Red Bull. That's also <laughs> true. Yeah. I, I think you, it, for me it would be cool if you could brand them differently. So, for for instance, obviously Monsters um, in, like involvement with Mercedes is purely around Hamilton. So you could see Monster Monsters investment in that team. Right. Well, the Lewis Hamilton Mercedes is is the Lewis Hamilton's Monster Mercedes car, and it's absolutely fucking monstered off the wazoo. You know, it's the, there, that, there's a point. If, the, if, if there were in with the whole team, what flavour monster would uh, Bottas's have been? Well, he he has he his own coffee roast, doesn't he? So maybe he would have had one of those failure. espresso-y ones. Oh, the espresso monster. Yeah, the one that said "Don't shake," and I didn't read that until after I shook it and opened it. It did not go yeah. well. Uh, p- uh, porridge. Ooh, oh, porridge monster. I I just can't. I don't have Bottas down as an energy drink. What the hell of an insult! <laughs> what a porridge monster! <laughs> yeah, porridge. Yeah, a subtle blend of porridge with notes of espresso. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oats and coffee bean, basically. <laughs> I be don't have honest, George Russell down as a, a monster drinker either. No, I don't think they sponsor um, Mercedes anymore, do they? Lewis Hamilton, Lewis Hamilton Monster Hamilton. is still on sale. I feel yeah. like the logo is still on the champion car. On it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure Hamilton still got Monster on his helmet. I somewhere. feel. I feel like I've seen the logo, but it might just be that I've not been paying attention, which is entirely yeah, probably, mm, entirely reasonable. Saying, yeah. Sorry if I sound a little distracted. I'm trying to get a cat off a shelf. She's a monster. Ah, make way for the elf, motherfucker. Christmas too. Ah, she's just thrown a. Knocked a bottle over. The bottle and... hasn't fallen, it's just dangling. Oh, the joys of podcasts. How long did it take her to make an appearance tonight? I cannot actually see a monster logo on the Mercedes. No, I don't um, think there is. Okay, I stand corrected. Yeah. 31 minutes in for the first podcast appearance, which is usually round about the same time for the first almighty, almighty Ferrari fuck-up in a race. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we talk about the uh, the Dutch Grand Prix? Because yes. that, that was a, that was a thing that 
that happened and a strategist's nightmare. Might I suggest that this week's podcast's name is the same name as the meme I put out the other week, which was marked safe from Ferrari strategy. I think it might have to be. Um, it was either it was either going to be something along those lines, or I wouldn't go see a Ferrari Ramones tribute band. One, two, three, what? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, start start from the back, and Alfa Romeo and Bottas with a DNF, which unleashed hell. Mm. Um, parked up, parked up on the pit lane. Well, well, by the pit lane. Um, he couldn't do anything about it, though, could he? His car basically shut off in front of him. Yeah, it, it just, it just died coming down the, uh, coming down the main straight. Mm. And um, that was, that was the one that brought out the actual safety car, which then led everyone through the pit lane, which then led to all kinds of chaos, and in Lewis's case, swearing. Um, Joe was 16th. Didn't really see a great deal of either of them, though, apart from no. apart from Bottas when he retired, and Bottas still staying one lap down on the timing screens all the way to the end. I think that just means they haven't switched him off. Mm. Mm. And I just want to say about the new F1 timing app on the website: what is the point of offering live timing if it's a freaking lap behind? Lap and a half. Yes, that is not, that is not live. That is on no, a delay. No, no, no. That's delayed timing. Yeah, th- this is what happened a while ago. You know, new live timing. Well, it was it w- it was live when it happened. It's just you're not going to get to see it for a while. No, I was trying because after science got that penalty, I was trying to work out where he was going to finish. Mm-hmm. And with the gap at the time, with two laps two laps to go, which was what was showing on the screen, he was going to be intense. And it was still showing that he he had that gap when the race finished on TV. Yeah, he finished eighth, didn't he, in the end? In the end. um, Yeah. But rant over. Yeah, F1, sort the bloody thing out. You know, a lot of of people use that, you know, for for lols as well as serious stuff, mainly lols. (laughs) And, um, Mm. yeah, this new digital age F1, um, they haven't got that one right. No. No, when you're watching uh when you're watching um George Russell set purple sector after purple sector and then a fastest lap and then it's Lewis Hamilton purple sector purple sector fastest lap and then Max Verstappen purple sector purple sector fastest lap and then all of a sudden out of nowhere Lance Stroll fastest sector one like hang on a second <laughs> <laughs> like these are the things that you would normally have picked up on the timing screen before the TV before you saw it on the TV yeah but you can't when it's so slow. Yeah, and we finished. We'd finished talking about what we'd seen by the time it was actually appearing on the uh, on the computer. Um, moving on, Williams, um, Albon in twelfth, and Latifi eighteenth, last classified finisher again. Um, I thought Albon was going to get points as, uh, a couple of points during the race. Yeah, he had a good he had a good run, didn't he? Early on, he went long on his tires and sort of got himself up to about sixth at one point. Yeah, he was running quite high. But I think just didn't didn't quite. I think with the the VSC and the safety car just didn't quite suit when he stopped, mm. which is a shame. But it, I mean, it, it proves that 
he can get something out of um, get something out of the Williams, and if you know if they keep developing the car, because I don't think the changes are going to be massive for next year. So I think next year's cars are going to be a development of this year's rather than a one hundred percent all new concept. Mm. Then you know I think we'll be we'll be seeing a few top tens out of him this season, uh, next season. We've seen a couple this year. I was, yeah, I was going to say we've seen, we have seen a couple already this year, but I think it'll be um, it'll be a bit more frequent. Mm. Um, obviously, Williams aren't what they used to be, and we've said that enough for the last God knows how many years. Um, and Latifi is definitely making up the numbers. Yeah, it's, yeah. Could it, not it, tell you anything about his race. He didn't go into a wall. <laughs> you know, when his highlights are what he didn't do rather than what he did do. Yeah, I think that you know. There's a lot of potential for participation awards here. Right, Haas. K-Mag in 15th with um, a pretty good save. Right in the start. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, how he, did, how he didn't take that car into the wall after he ran wide, I have no idea. Uh, Mick Schumacher 13th, and both had shitty pit stops. Mm. Mick Schumacher was running okay as well, wasn't he, at one mm. point? Yeah. And then they had, um, they had wheel gun problems in a pit stop, and... Ruined his chance for points. I think Haas looked like wankers. Yeah, I think they both stopped, mm. sort of, if not on consecutive laps, fairly close together, and they both had long pit stops. So something obviously was a miss. Um, I don't know whether someone ran over their pit gun as well, but um, yeah, not <laughs> not not all was well at the Haas garage. It's so weird, isn't it, where teams are this year? You know, it's it, there's there's only certain teams which are sort of consistently in the same place where. You know, I mean, Haas looked really good at the start of the year, mm. for instance. Um, and it, they, they, they just seem... The same with Toro, uh, Toro Rosso's looked good at various points. But that, that sort of mid-grid pack, you can be sort of oh, like leading the best of the rest or second to last now, mm. you know, of, of weekend to weekend. Mm. Yeah, and I think this, this was this was definitely one of Hass's slower ones, but I think a lot of it was self-inflicted. Mm-hmm. Same mm. same with Bottas at the start of the year; like he was at like fifth all the time, and now isn't getting out of Q one. Yeah, I mean, have Cyber stopped developing that car? Quite likely, mm. I would think so. Mm. Then then again, Cyber um, Cyber are constantly in a state of flux of what the what they're going to be doing about next next year's car. It's just for once, it's good for them that they still know they're going to be they've got at least another year. Mm. Well, they've got at least another year of being Alfa Romeo, and then they've got they they know that there's a there's going to be money in that team for a, pro- probably a good getting on for ten years from now, I would say. Yeah, I mean, if the Audi deal does come through, it's not it's not going to be a short term thing, is it? Because they're going to be uh, no. they're, they're going to be in it for the long haul. Um, obviously, Cyber will end up having first option on buying the team back, just like happened with BMW mm-hmm. and Longbow Capital, and oh god, who else? Yeah, it it must be it, it must be done. You know, even if it's not announced, well, it's obviously not announced because we're talking about it. But the deal with Sabah must be done because if you're listening to this on a Tuesday, it probably already has been. Yeah, <laughs> yeah as I said, there's a certain date. I can't remember if it's the 15th of September, which is only ten days from recording, mm. or the 15th of October, which obviously gives an, another few weeks. Um, it's it's one of those where they have to have the entry in and ratified and because of everything that has to go on, we'll probably hear about it because, you know, legal documents have to be published publicly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it, I, I just don't see... 
I don't see Audi making a big song and dance about coming into Formula One if the path in wasn't in stone. Or the way they sell up, possibly end stone. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. <laughs> and it looks like we're not going to be getting Andretti. Real shame that. And you know what? It, I think it's it's really bad the way some people in Formula One have talked about Andretti coming into Formula One like it's some sort of like undesirables trying to make their way into the sport. Yeah, I mean, no, sorry, Chris. You sorry. Go I was going to say it is weird because Formula One, as a as a general rule, is moving towards more um, American markets, should we say? I don't want to say like Americanization because I think that that comes that that, that sometimes is thought of as like a negative term, and that's not what I mean. But they are they you know they're trying to get more audience in from the United States and what better way to do that than if you had an American team with the potential of having like an American driver mm-hmm. um that, that that's something that that is going to get people in the states you know I, I don't mean people who already watch but people who you know might not be bothered about formula 1 oh there's a US team in formula 1 now like i mean like we've got Haas obviously but mm-hmm. you get the feeling that Haas is less American than when they first started. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, and, um, Andretti is the legendary name in in American motorsport. Yeah, everybody in America will know Andretti. I mean, probably probably know Haas as well, but mm-hmm. um, but Andretti is is it's global, isn't it? And it's known for you know American sport, American motorsport. Um, so it would be fantastic to have an American team with the potential of having bringing an American driver in as well to push that forward. Um, Haas, as I say, totally an American team, but like I said, less American. <laughs> they feel a lot less American, mm. probably since the Mazepin sponsorship thing. Yes. Yeah. I think you don't well, really when... see, you don't, you don't see Gene Haas anymore at races, do you? I can't remember the last time I saw him. Yeah, it's quite often, you know, Gunter Steiner is obviously running that team and he is the, the figurehead, the public face for that team. They have just Unmistak- launched. They have just launched a range of Gunter T-shirts. Yes. Yeah, unmistakably Italian. I mean, you know, with a name like Gunter Steiner and an accent <laughs> like that. Um, but yes, that's uh, that's that's why you know I, I get the feeling that that house has kind of gone the other way, kind of Europe, European, Europe, Europeanized itself. You, you San Diegoans, <laughs> San Diegans. <laughs> But yeah, I don't know that F1 can actually even be picky enough to say, no, we don't want those American lot. When you've got, (laughs) you know, like Porsche not really quite knowing how they're finding their way in. Audi have been faffing about. There isn't, it's not like F1 can afford to be too picky about who it lets in to be a team. If they've got the cash and the the infrastructure and the whatnot, then yeah, it's not like like there's five or six teams waiting to come in. You know, Andretti are just in the process of building a complete new motor, motorsport headquarters, which looks very much like the McLaren Technology Centre. It does Center. look very much like the McLaren Technology Centre. But the thing is, if you, if you were to take a list of brands synonymous with American racing, mm-hmm. it's a short list of things that are above Andretti. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, a re, it's, it's such a shame. I mean, it, 
I think it would have been good for the sport. Yeah, I think um, I think our good friend and whiskey correspondent Mike McPherson put it best. He sent us a tweet yesterday saying, "Is it me or is F1 happy to host races here in America, but they don't want American drivers or teams? Why not Andretti on the grid and let her to race?" Yeah, that seems like mm. a that, that that you know. I didn't need to say any of that. You could have just said that. I just I just wasted five minutes talking when you said <laughs> <laughs> yeah. exactly what Mike was to say. Yeah. Absolutely valid criticism. Valid criticism. Mm. Well, talk, talking of Mike, and to prove he's American, you get to hear what he says in an American accent. He's actually launched his own podcast this week. Um, it's called The Rambling Gator, and he's a really nice guy. And I've had a listen to the first episode. It only actually came out today. And the guy's a fantastic storyteller. So look it up for um, where you get your normal podcasts from. And um, I'll post a link on the... Um, on the I th- well, I have already posted a link on Twitter. But I'll post a link to it in the show notes as well for Spotify. It's well well worth a listen. Yeah, cool. I've got, the, it, I've got uh, it on my phone waiting to listen to it. Let's not forget as well, Mike McPherson was our official... Uh, correspondent at the Circuit of the Americas a few years ago where he managed to interview Sean Kelly. That is true. (laughs) (laughs) Right, moving up the grid. Oh boy, we have AlphaTauri next. Get your tinfoil hats out. No. (laughs) Right, Gasly 11th. Um, He just wasn't on it at all. Yeah, I couldn't tell you much Uh, more than that about Gasly. Started roughly there. And finished Start, there. Started exactly Start. there. Yeah, one of those. No, didn't Gasly start really... in the pit lane? No, no, no that was last so. week. No, that, that 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 was Belgium. I thought he was no. I thought he, I thought he was wheeled off at the beginning of the race and stuff in the pit lane. With that was Sinoda. in Belgium. Was it? He oh, was definitely God. Belgium. <laughs> <laughs> you see, you do remember something from Belgium. Such was the impact Gasly had. Yeah, yeah. Oh well, sorry, Gasly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was. He, he was just a complete Ken. A what? Ken. No, I never heard that used as an insult before. It's um, it's an old one from um from Viz. It's the it's it's the one in the band that nobody can remember who it is. Usually the bass oh. player. You know, like Bross were Matt, Luke, and Ken. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Then Sonoda. So. Uh, pitted, mm-hmm. changed the tyres. Yep. Something was wrong with the rear. Yeah. Pulled over. Team said to him, "There's nothing. There's nothing wrong that we can see. Get going again." By which point he'd undone his seat belts, or some of them. He'd loosened them. I think mm-hmm. he hadn't actually unclipped them. Came back. They tightened his seat belts. Sent him out again, and then they realised that the rear diff had failed. Yes. And then crawled round to, after turn three, very slowly, trying to find a convenient place to park up. And that's what brought out the VSC. No one comes out of it well, do they? I mean, that you've, as a team, you've got your driver saying, hang on, something's gone wrong here. And they're like, no, it's mm-hmm. fine. You, you know, he's not, he, he's been driving an F1 car for long enough that he's not going to be like, Whoa, what's going on here? If there's something wrong, he probably knows. To be fair, what was weird was that they sent him out of the pit lane after yeah. after he because he was halfway out of the pit lane when he um, when he radioed that message mm-hmm. in. We heard it, we heard it late, but he was on his way out of the pit lane when he was just like, "Nope, there's something wrong. I think the diff's broken." And they told him exit the pits and find a safe place to stop. Well, I can see why there's a conspiracy because it's weird to say. 
exit the pits and find a safe place to stop. I... He was halfway down the pit lane. Well, you can't. You no, because he was out, wasn't he? He was, he was out of the pit lane. When we heard it, but when he was actually having the conversation, he was in. He literally just left his pit box. He was going down the pit lane when he when he when he said what he said. Maybe I th- oh, yeah. I w- maybe I wonder if they told him to exit <laughs> to exit the pits because he, if he'd have stopped in the pit lane, they'd have closed the exit. And if there was another car in the pit lane behind him, maybe it would have completely mm. completely screwed up whoever mm. that was because that car wouldn't be able to move until they'd got his car neutralized and out of the way. Which could have taken five minutes. But then also, sending a car onto the track where you know there's something wrong is, is also going to screw but, someone's but day. But it's not mm. unusual, though, is it? It's not It's not unusual to have a car that thinks it's got an issue and they just bring it in mm. and bolt another set of tyres on and send it out just to see if it was something to do with those tyres. True. I suppose he had just changed tyres, hadn't he? So yeah. if it was something that was just like a bit of shite or something that had got all up yeah, in the, yeah. the tyre... Well, you just uh, the other the other one to think is slightly sheared bolt. Yeah, that yeah, but but, but think about the uh, when we have like first corner incidents. Quite often, we'll have a car tangle with another car, creep back to the pit, pit, and they'll still bolt a set of tires onto it and throw it out to see if it if, see if it still works. Yeah. So yeah, I've I I think the. I'll, I'll be dead honest. I think the conspiracy theorists are just fucking rabid Hamilton fanboys. Oh, yeah, I mean, no, I, 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 know, I know it's sort of crap that it wasn't a conspiracy. It was just that um, when at, the, at that point, obviously Verstappen was in second, and I made a joking comment on a Discord chat saying, "Deploy Yuki." <laughs> and then, yeah. two minutes later, two minutes later, he does. It's all your fault. <laughs> I think it's a bit grim that uh, AlphaTauri had to put in a, a statement out today. Are basically mm. asking Hamilton fans to stop abusing their uh, um, strategist. It's not well, theirs; yeah, it it's ha- the Red Bull one. Ha- yeah, Hannah Schmitz is. Oh, it? is it? Mm. Yeah, yeah, because, but uh, yeah, but Williams' the theory is that she was seen smiling on the on the wall as soon as the uh, as soon as Yuki was you know brought out the virtual safety car. She was seen smiling, but I mean, it what worked out well what, for her. Yeah, but well, what we need to what we need to remember is that it was Bottas that brought the safety car out, yes. not Yuki Tsunoda. Yeah, yeah, Valtteri, it's James. I still have your number. <laughs> what, what, do, you, what, do you know what though? Like, it really fucking pisses me off. Two years ago, I don't. You didn't have this in Formula One. Like the the, the this sort of fanboy. Never <sighs> been that kind of sport. Mm. I know. I think no. it's always been that kind of sport. I absolutely think it's always been that kind of sport. No, but I mean, it's never been the kind of sport where the fans are so divisive. Like, oh, yeah. Like, like yeah. yeah, it's a lot fans. more... You've always had fans, but they've not been quite as, as tribal. Yeah, I can remember when we first started doing this podcast, there was, a, there was a few new F1 fans who thought, you know, would trickle in. Now, we're, obviously, we're getting loads now because of, you know, everything that's gone on um, since Liberty Media taking over. They've done a great job of promoting the sport and getting new fans in and on board. Mm-hmm. But the... Um, it, I, remember, I remember we we when we used to do like mailbag like years ago, and one of them was just like, "Oh yeah, who do you guys support and who do you hate?" And it was just like, "We don't really hate anyone. We've got favorite drivers and maybe ones that were a little bit like, oh yeah, not so bothered about them because they're mm. not talented." But it's not like you know you can go to a you can go to a Formula One race in a Ferrari hoodie and stand next to somebody in a McLaren hoodie and probably have a really good chat with them, you yeah. know, and, and both enjoy the race. You, you usually, usually about which vital organ did you have to sell to buy your official team merch? <laughs> the problem yeah, is, much, yeah. the problem with that, with that theory is, uh, with the new fans coming in, it's not just, it's not new fans coming in, 
It's Lewis Hamilton fans. If you That's take Lewis bit... Hamilton out of Formula One, this isn't here. It's a bit tarring everybody with the same brush. That oh, no, think, no, like... sorry. Not all, not all Lewis Hamilton fans, but the ones that are fucking assholes online are, are, Lewis, are, are Lewis. And to be perfectly honest, I don't even think they watch the race. I think they watch Drive to Survive and post on social media. And as I've said in the, in the past, anybody with a Lewis Hamilton name in their bio, or, or sorry, in their, in their name on Twitter, isn't worth fucking engaging with. Like, it's, I, it, it really annoys me. I, and it's such a shame because for being someone that's gone to Grand Prix now for, I mean, I went to, I'm 40. I went to my first Grand Prix when I just turned 16. It was on my 16th birthday. Um, and all the way through that, even like through the Schumacher days when like there was, a real niggle at Schumacher with British fans because of what happened to uh, him taking Damon Hill out. You could joke with the Schumacher fans. It was all like, uh, like banter seems to be a, um, like a loaded term now, but it was playful where, when you, where, when you met other fans, yeah. I, I mean, I don't, did you guys catch over the weekend that somebody had edited footage from the flare going on the track? to make it look like the flare had been thrown at Lewis Hamilton coming out of the pit lane. No, I only saw the footage that uh, made it look like there was a pigeon dropping the flare on yes, the track. Yes, I saw the pigeon one. Yeah, that's quite <laughs> funny. They, people, people should be able to do that. That's the exact opposite of what I'm talking about. <laughs> and I just, I just want to pull you up. I mean, you, you know, you're saying a lot of them you don't think watch the race. Some of them have to present DIY SOS so they don't have time to do it. It's very true. In true jump cut style, I just wanted to mention the um, new Formula One podcast again from um, Will Arnett alongside Mika Hakkinen that's just started. Fast and Loose F1. Will Arnett, you've probably heard, um, you've heard his voice on many things. He's Lego Batman, he was in Arrested Development, he was Bojack Horseman and hosted the Smartless podcast. And um, he's now covering an F1 show every week. It's doing everything on and off track. So not only do you get the race reviews, you also get cutting-edge interviews with the drivers, like what's your favourite cheese, that kind of thing. And as a bonus, you get Mika Hakkinen giving um, race reviews every week, the one and only Flying Finn, and favourite of the podcast, and we'd still love to have him on the show at some point. So you won't just hear from the drivers, you'll hear from the team principals, team owners, anyone that they can get their hands on will um, will be on this show, because they've got a bigger budget than us. Well, they've got a budget. Um, basically, listen to Fast and Loose F1 on Amazon Music or wherever you get your podcasts, or you can listen ad-free by subscribing to Wondery Plus in the Wondery app. Right, back to the show. Moving on. Um, Aston Martin, uh, that rarity of points, as it seems to be. Was it point? Was it point? Point. point. Singular point. Singular point. Stroll was having a good weekend, except for what happened in Q3. But then yeah, that was a shame for him because he—it's it, rare that it's that way round, isn't it? Where he's the the strong qualifier and and not the one that drops out in Q one. So yeah, it was a shame that the car didn't uh, play ball. Mm. Whatever, whatever it was, they didn't didn't they didn't actually say what it was at the time. They just said a technical issue. Yeah, I don't think we ever found out actually. Um, but he managed managed to recover from that and um, got him got himself up to tenth. Which, like I say, thanks to the F1 timing app, at one point looked like ninth. That <laughs> <laughs> um, all, yeah, the, another another bad day on the, the farewell the, tour. The blue flags. <laughs> yeah, Vettel getting pinged for oh, blue yeah, flags. Vettel. 
you know, I mean, he wrote the Blue Flag song. Well, maybe that's it then. You write it, it doesn't apply to you. Ah. <laughs> Insert Brexit joke here. There's a hydraulic mm. issue for Stroll, apparently. Ah, right, okay. But yeah, Vettel um, getting a five-second penalty for ignoring Blue Flags when they mm. had the battle for the lead going on behind him. He, he he did go past. He definitely went past one yeah. blue flag, <laughs> like like showing panel, and it still took him a very long time after that. He, he seemed very, like completely oblivious as well. Did that? Oh, yeah, they're just pootling along in the middle of the road. It's fine. <laughs> Meanwhile, yeah, battle for battle for first and second is go, going off behind him. I know. That, I know that's where he. Well, if he, if he was still in that fight, this wouldn't be the farewell tour. True. No, no, of course. But no, it's uh, sad to see. And like, like I, like I noticed last week, um, they were playing his um, playing his sort of retirement video again, and he's saying he's retiring from F one by the end of the twenty twenty two season, not at the end, by the end. Now mm. his English is too good mm-hmm. for him to make a make a grammatical mistake like that. So I think he's not going to bother with the flyaways. I think he's leaving his options open just to say, right, fuck it, I've had enough, I'm done. Hulkenberg. Hulkenberg (laughs) again. uh, He was bad, wasn't he? He's been turned over by, well, not turned over by Stroll, but, you know, it's... Turned over by the Strolls. You don't want to... Well, I don't even think it's that. I think he's got every opportunity to succeed, but... I mean, he should be. He should be so far ahead. Right? Let, let you stick Alonso in that car next year. He's going to destroy Lance Stroll. Like fucking annihilate him. And he did. He did cock up his qualifying battle because he um, ran wide on. I think it was his sort of preparation lap for what would have been the flying lap, and mm. yeah, fucked it basically. So that that did not help matters. But yeah, he never. He never really looked like he was going to get that much further forward than where he qualified. Mm. I, d- I didn't get a CQ one because I was doing a fundraising endurance race. I um, I blame the headband for Sebastian Vettel's performance. Yeah, I'm, not fe- I'm not <laughs> feeling the headband. It's not for me. 1990s Argentinian footballer cosplay, I think was what I described <laughs> it as. <laughs> McLaren next. Um, Lando, seventh. Um... Unlucky. Could have could have had more. Um, I don't know. Everybody ahead of him was faster than him, and that's not a slight on Lando. That's just where mm. McLaren are at yeah, the moment. You've got you've got two and, Mercedes, um, two Red Bull, two for, I suppose on the road, two Ferrari. One yeah, on the else? road, two Ferraris. But then you got the Alpine as well. Mm. And Alpine are are better than McLaren at the moment. Mm. Yeah, it's um, just not at contracts. Yeah. I was going to say it, was, it just—it was—it was one of those um, binary results for mm-hmm. McLaren. Oh, Ricardo's right up there for a participation award this week. That yeah, was but ridiculous. was that his? Was that his two ridiculously early pit stops? Was there a reason for that? I haven't seen anything that says um, that says you know. There I think was he a... just couldn't. He couldn't make tires do stuff. Mm. Well, I mean, getting knocked out in Q one as well can't help because helped. he couldn't switch the tires on. They were both both of the McLarens were round about the same. And then all of a sudden the track rubbered in a bit, off goes Lando, and Ricardo was just sort of not able to match it. 
But yeah, I mean, Ricardo, Ricardo's first two pit stops were ridiculously early for whatever kind of strategy he'd, that he He'd was made running. two pit stops before the Mercedes had come in. Either of them. Yeah, I think so. I think that's right. Yeah. He he, he was on, he started on mediums as well, didn't he, I mm. think? Ricardo? Yes. Yeah. You know, um, Pirelli, before the race, I think, said the mediums were good for sort of at, at the peak for about 30, 35 laps. He barely got 10. Mm. That's it, that's I know it. he... Did you hear about the the end of the the race for him the, the the pit radio? Yeah, it was quite quite sort of an emotional exchange. Yeah. So I, no, I didn't I, didn't hear that. What happened with the pit radio? He was um, he sort of radioed in. And they said, "Oh, sorry, sorry, guys, like it's not what we wanted today." And the pit crew radio back said, "No, no, he said, don't worry though. We'll, we'll keep trying. We'll we'll keep trying. We're, we're going to keep trying with you. And we're going to try and get through this." And then he just sort of had a big sigh. And he said, "Yeah, Monza." And I just, I, I really don't know. Given the fact he's going back there to where he won last year, the the only flash of Ricardo we've had through the whole McLaren experience, I'm not quite sure how to deal with a Ricardo after on if if it's awful as mm, well. It didn't feel very honey badgerish, did it? It was a very sort mm. of sad radio message he, 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 yeah. he, he even sounds really downbeat in f1 manager when he gets overtaken <laughs> no he comes back with yeah this is my pace <laughs> oh no it's really it's really sad yeah uh, i tell you what if, if they if they took all the audio from races of uh um of, of like of the drivers for uh f1 manager They'll be fucking doing well to find any recent stuff of him being happy. It's just going to be Monza on a loop. <laughs> yeah, even points. Just if he can get in the points next, uh, like I don't even think he has to beat Lando. If he can be around Lando and get some points, uh, at least it will be a like a, a sort of a glimmer of hope for him. Uh, he doesn't. He doesn't appear to have much. Well, I thought the um, losing is like losing the seat. Right? It's definitely lost now, right? You're not racing for McLaren. Might have took some of the weight away. You know, sometimes you see this with drivers that where when some, something like that happens, it's just like the you know the old ones of like, oh, I'm just racing for me now. You know that that sort of yeah yeah. Uh, if, I'm sure a Felipe Massa and a uh, Barrichello have both said things like this in the past. Yeah, Barrichello um, was nice about it. Massa was a bit of a, a bit aggressive when he found out he was losing his Ferrari seat. If you remember, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, to be fair, Massa had given given like blood, sweat, and tears, hadn't he, for to try and make Ferrari and like a chunk of his head, probably. But uh, yeah, poor Massa. And after all that time, Fernando was still faster than him, Felipe, baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, right, talking of Fernando, he was he was the fastest of the two Alpines. Yeah, good oh, performance by Fernando. He he likes uh, Zandvoort, doesn't he? The looks yeah. of things. Yeah, same. I think it's the banking aspect. I think that sort of IndyCar mm. vibe seems to and yet give the, him the edge. Yeah, this year, every time you saw him go around turn three, he took the low line. Just mm. to prove he can. Yeah. Yeah, that was... Um, I mean, Alpine are definitely fourth yeah. this season. Yeah, I at the moment, so. yeah, and um, yeah. 
you know, com- coming into the um, coming into the last seven races, last third of the season, we're not. Gonna they get... can't not be fourth with unless some massive happens with the car. Or can they really? No, it's, it's. I think that car is better than McLaren's at the moment. Yeah. I think yeah. they are. Uh, I think early doors, you would have said it was probably um, Rebel and Ferrari out front with um, Mercedes kind of in no man's land in third and then a few teams behind in fourth, fifth. It was a bit murky Mm. behind Mercedes. Uh, Mercedes have kind of closed up a little bit sort of towards Ferrari. uh, Rebel have edged forward a bit, but Alpine, I think, uh, 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 have put themselves as, as, as a car and as a team as the clear fourth place at the moment. And I think that I think this weekend went to uh, went a long long way to show it. Alonso sixth, Ocon ninth, and just solid by both of them. You know, if if they were as good on paper as they are on the track, mm-hmm. and they both, God, it's usually the other way around. Isn't n- it? Neither of those two made it through to Q three. I don't think either. So to have sort of ended up in the points is yeah. I mean, good Al- progress. Alonso was a little bit ranty after Q two, apparently. Fair. Uh, blaming other people. Okay. He got caught. He got caught in traffic. It's a short track. I'm sure a lot of people got caught in traffic. Mm, but oh, yeah, in qualifying, yeah, he did get um, he did get cut up a little bit on his uh, flying lap. So I think he he went. At, did he go out earlier and then ran into everyone that was just preparing for their flyers? I think so. He tried to do the the, the getting the lap in the gap, but it didn't work. Uh, it has done before, but it only it only works well on certain tracks, and it's you know you got to do it on the longer ones. Spa is a prime example of a track where it works mm. and Silverstone as well but when when this one's as tight as it is and especially on a track as narrow as this where you know passing is at a premium and going off, going offline um, really screws you up even if you're just on an outlap yeah, wasn't a wasn't a monumental weekend to remember for any strategist really was it well, apart from... I don't know. Red, Red Bull did, 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 did fairly well. Um, I don't know if it's a bit, a bit too far to, 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 to speak about Red Bull at the moment, I suppose, given that um, we're not talking about them. But, you know, they, their strategy was different to Mercedes's. And um, even Virtual Statman has looked at the times and thought that it's, it's quite likely Verstappen still would have caught and passed. Lewis Hamilton before the end of the race had there been no safety cars, but it would have been really interesting to see. You know, that's what we didn't get to see. Um, we, we may as well start talking about Ferrari. Ferrari were next, weren't they? Mm-hmm. Um, and... Yes, in one, two, three, third place, not fourth, because they don't do four when it comes to tyres either. We're getting three tyres ready for Carlos Sainz and then releasing him into the path of Fernando Alonso and. Then yeah, what, that was two. That was did. two separate pit stops. They cocked up twice. Yeah, yeah. and then what else? There were there were so many other they, things. They left they their wheel wrong. gun in the middle of the pit lane. They did. They took the wheel gun down, and Perez ran over it. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Yeah. Somehow McLaren got brought dragged into the blame for that. No, McLaren got blamed for the signs oh, pulling yes. out in front of Alonso because they he reckoned that. Because McLaren, I think, had someone in at the same time. They their ass was sticking out too far or something. I don't. Yeah, know. McLaren had Norris in, and they had because they had to hold sights for Norris going in, mm-hmm. and uh, they said that was a late. But he was so slow coming out of his pit box. I think that's what was, he was uh, blaming McLaren for that he had to come out at a funny angle. 
I mean, the, which, the, which doesn't doesn't in any way affect the fact that there's an Alonso there. Yeah, I mean, the pit, no. pit lane at Zandvo is short it's and, tight. and narrow, and, um, you know, the cars actually pit at an angle and have got to um, make a harder turn when they um, when they come out to get back into the fast lane. Yeah. Is, yeah, is, well, there a, is there a question that possibly that needs looking at? Is it too tight? Yeah, I, th- I think it might be. I mean, F2 brought it, uh, F2 and F3 brought in the rule that no um, no pit stops under safety cars because of the lack of room. Mm-hmm. Now I don't I don't know if that was just um, the F2 feature race one for pit stops that counted and I misheard, but yeah, there were um, there were stopping stopping pitting under safety cars. Is that because the F2 don't get what like oodles of space to work with? Um, they've they've got the entirety of the um front of e- front of each garage, so they've got a pit box. They've got place. They've got space for the tires. Yeah, it's not it's not normally an issue. And, they have... and they've got smaller pit crews because um they're only allowed seven. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Which I suppose means under under a safety car, there's maybe an increased chance of double stacking, which probably would be a faff. But yeah, it's not it's not a normal rule for F two normally pitting under the safety car. They don't have pitting under VSC, do they? Oh, they might do now. I think they might have changed the rules again. It varies. Oh, I thought they didn't have pitting under VSC. Um, but definitely, yeah, no, definitely, no, definitely didn't this weekend. No. But no, no, normally not a not a drama for F2. Oh, while we're on the subject of F2, first rock star of the week, the F2 pigeon that didn't die. Oh, the one crossing the road? Yes. That was <laughs> Just fucking fearless, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but four cars went past him. Yeah, didn't give a shit. And three of them in Red Bull liveries, and they're usually the crashiest. <laughs> 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 but yeah, Ferrari, just... I mean, if they can find a way to fuck things up, they, they do it. It's just crazy, isn't it? Like, you've got... You've, you've just got a team that seems to go out of its way. Even Even that, like, the wheel gun being left there for Perez to drive over. Mm. It's just so fucking typically Ferrari. Yeah, uh, Matteo Binotto has got into, um, got into a bit of a um, comment spat with um, Nico Rosberg over, um, over this. Uh, Rosberg said, if I can find the exact quote, um, oh my goodness, he said about the Ferrari pit stops, Binotto keeps saying, no, no, we don't need to make changes, everything's going well. When is this day coming? It's not possible. Even Formula 2 teams or F3 teams do a better job at their strategy and pit stops than Ferrari. <laughs> I, I find it hard to disagree with these comments. Yeah, Bonotto yeah. aspired back saying it's easy to speak when you're outside of the paddock. Yes, it is, because mm. we have a bird's eye view of how many tyres you've got out the blankets. Yeah, yeah three. <laughs> yeah, where's your tyre, man? For, you know, where, Where's this fourth yeah. tyre? <laughs> Like the man with the gun was there. Did the man with the gun be like... like, be like where's where's the tyre guy? <laughs> where's Dave? Like, the thing, it, I, felt like, I felt like they were all there. It's like, has one of them just got there and go, oh shit, I normally have something with me at this point. Like, how? How has this happened? Do you remember Nico's when, got uh, a fairly good, fair, like a fairly good knowledge of a team that actually fucking works well too. That you don't even yeah. need that. You just need to know the quantity of tires on a car. This is this is not specialist <laughs> knowledge. <laughs> well, that um, apparently that was the a late call to bring him in, wasn't mm, it? And they yeah. didn't they didn't actually give the team enough time to get the fucking tire. Which in itself off. is a cock up. If if your engineer, you know, why were three of them ready? But yeah, well, no. If the engineers go into the pit crew, oh, get ready, lads, he's coming in. They need to then yeah. turn around, going, going, no, no, we're not ready. Do another one. 
Um, but even then, I'm not even I'm not even sure how much I I buy into that because it's not like George Russell gave Mercedes a whole host of time when he mm-hmm. said he said he wanted to come in. I think he was he actually on the pit lane when he said he wanted to come in. He was approaching yeah, they, pit lane pretty much because they were going through the pit lane anyway, weren't yeah. they? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, safety car was going through through the pit lane. He's like, "I'm coming in, I'm coming in, I'm coming in." He's like, "Oh shit, right, okay, he's here now, mm-hmm. go." Yeah, yeah. I, I, I thought Mercedes were going to double stack on that one. We'll get we'll get to that in a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, Ferrari are still getting podiums despite themselves. Well, yeah, because in fairness, they cocked up two of Sainz's pit stops. Actually, Leclerc. Fairly untainted by the well, Ferrari. Not Ferrari for starting second and what was the second and fifth and finishing third and eighth. Mm. I mean, don't don't forget. I mean, we, we missed this one from Belgium, but Leclerc going for the fastest lap and ending up not not only not getting it but getting a pit lane speeding penalty. Yes, and Binotto blaming Red Bull for it because apparently it was one of Max Verstappen's tear-offs that got caught in the Ferrari brake duct, which broke one of the sensors, which meant he couldn't tell if he was under the pit lane speed limit. I mean, that is unfortunate, but like Max Verstappen's got bloody good aim if he can <laughs> if he can get it into an, an, somebody's brake duct from three cars if in front team, or whatever he was. If, if he managed that, he deserves it. Yeah. If any <laughs> team will think... Right, just pull slightly to the left of the car in front of you and then take your tear off out. And then just throw it in there. If any team were going to do that, it would be Red Bull. Or 1990s Benetton. I, yeah, 90s yeah. Benetton, yeah. I, don't, I still don't believe that that was... Um, you know, it wasn't deliberate. Nobody did that on purpose. I mean, the Ferrari Excuse Generator is getting a Rockstar Award for this season. It's working hard, isn't it? It's probably the hardest working member of the team. Well, it's it's certainly working harder than the uh, left rear tyre guy. (laughs) To be fair, I think it's some sort of advanced AI because it works quicker than any human could. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's face it, Ferrari have got a lot of A, but not a lot of I about them this season. (laughs) Yeah, I mean... How gutted would you be if you were Carlos Sainz right now? In the, you, you, that car, when you saw how quick it was at the beginning of the season, you were like, all right, okay. I mean, we're, we're sort of not number one, but we're not far off number one. This is going to be a good season. Mm. And just the amount of mistakes that admittedly both drivers, drivers and the team have made, they're, just, they're so far behind now that I think, uh, I think, I pulled up the stat yesterday, I think, George Russell is 13 points away from being Max Verstappen's nearest challenger. Mm-hmm. So a poor rate in Monza for Ferrari and George Russell is, is and Perez, of course, and, yeah. and uh, George Russell is, is there. He, he is then, you know, the best of the rest behind the man who's, let's be honest, already won the world championship. That's not going to change. Yeah. Mm. Um, I think I think Karen Karen Thompson, former um, co-presenter and all-round friend of the podcast, put it best when he retweeted my tweet from a few weeks ago, with the question, "How many more times do I need to retweet this over the season?" The tweet being, "Ferrari forgetting to bring any bullets to a shoot yourself in the foot competition again." <laughs> <laughs> but what happens? Like, it's, I mean, I know we always turn around and say, "Well, Ferrari can't just go around sacking people because that hasn't worked in the past." But stability hasn't worked either. There's something else, isn't there? There is something else yeah. wrong. It's not personnel. It's something in the culture or the preparation they do or, or 
whatever it is, something doesn't work. Is it is it too Italian? Like, I wonder if they're not hiring enough outside of the pool. I mean, the the last really competitive um, Ferrari sort of. Well, oh, I I I, I kind of class Massa Massa's Ferrari in this as well because the uh, he. He was the he was the knock on, wasn't he? He was just coming out of the Schumacher era, but when when Ferrari were where they really want to be and by all, all rights should be, um, you know, you had a like a British technical director, French team principal. You know, it's I just I, I wonder if this thing because it was Demonte Zemmler, wasn't it? Demonte Zemmler mm-hmm. wanted to make Ferrari Italian again. I I, ju- I just wonder whether that's maybe maybe a misstep not not that there's not people in italy that can run a fucking motorsports team of course there are but if you if you decide right, work for ferrari <laughs> yeah if yeah but if you decide like i only want to i only want to hire from this pool then you're only you're only as good as the best in that pool i mean poaching a cigarette salesman from your main sponsor to run the team it's not ideal that that wasn't the best idea And um, I mean, Bonotto's been there. I mean, he was he was Vettel's engine guy. Mm-hmm. He was Alonso's engine guy. Yeah, he was technical director before yeah. he was uh, team principal. He was Schumacher's. Uh, was he? Was it? He was an. He, he was a race engineer of some kind for Michael Schumacher. Yeah. Was it? I can't remember what what his job was, but yeah, he was. But he was the engine man, as you say, for for Fernando Alonso. So he's been there long enough, and he shouldn't, you know, and he should know how it works. But is it coming? Is it coming from above? You know, is it the Fiat Chrysler board that's doing it to him? If it was Sergio Marchionne still in in charge, I would say yes. Um, but the the people in charge of Ferrari, uh, say Fiat Chrysler, is still. I think it still owns a stake in Ferrari, but Ferrari decided to become its own thing again. Um, so I don't know if. If shouting orders from above is 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 still the, the still the done thing, um, is it? Is it I, can't, I can't remember the guy's name. Johan something, um, who now runs the whole group, but he doesn't seem like the guy who's gonna, you know, he's not Marchioni micromanaging every single little aspect of everything. Like and your fun, boss turns and up fun, and starts doing your job for you. Funnily enough, they had bad races every time he was there, and he was there every day. Yeah. But, yeah, Ferrari have just got an inherent problem. Bonotto saying they're not making changes, so changes afoot in Ferrari within the next six to eight weeks? I don't know. It's just, it's, it's, Ferrari wouldn't, wouldn't be, Ferrari wouldn't clear themselves out, would they? They'd have to get somebody in to do it for them. I mean, Bonotto's going to be the next, next fall guy. And it's just, it's just going to carry on. I can, you know, I can, I can't, I can't see things changing without a massive change of ethos for the whole team. I mean, certain, certainly, whoever's in charge of strategy there needs uh, needs to take a long hard look at themselves, and maybe, yes. maybe, maybe check some spreadsheets as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're still using Lotus One Two Three. At least move on to Excel ninety seven. <laughs> anyway, rant over. Uh, Mercedes. 
uh, an angry Hamilton in fourth, and George Russell equaling his um, best performance in second. Russell definitely um, had the faster car. And the better strategy. And the better strategy. Yeah, I mean, Lewis got a good start, apart from nearly hitting Carlos Sainz. Um, but then... I don't think it was nearly. I think um, I think he did catch him a little bit, just right on the side I think right it was a, a brushing, part. I think, rather than a hitting, just a, a light brushing. Yeah, he, um, as I say, it was a good start by, by Lewis, a less, less good start by George. Um, but when the strategy sort of panned out, it... it it did look like, and it was quite clear, that George Russell had the faster of the two cars. Uh, he was catching Lewis before um, they, uh, before any of the safety cars happened, the virtual or the full safety car. Uh, whilst Lewis was catching catching Max, knowing that Max still had to make another pit stop, um, uh, yeah, George was also catching catching Lewis. So we could have had right towards the end of the race, in theory. Uh, we could have had um, Max Verstappen trying to chase down two Mercedes, um, and then Mercedes would have had to, you know, make a decision: do we let these guys fight each other and possibly finish second and third, or do we tell one of them to defend really hard and let the other one go and win the race? Um, but that never happened, and that's the way that's that, that's the way of the sport. Yeah, um, I mean, as it was when we saw uh, saw the pass by Russell on Hamilton, they were definitely racing each other. Oh yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. But the, um, the I don't think there was any team orders in effect there at all whatsoever. But the um, I think George said after the race, didn't he? He tried so hard to to try and catch Max in those last few laps, but just just didn't have the pace. That Red Bull is just, it's it's just so far ahead um, of everyone else at the moment. Strangely, just that one Red Bull. Um, but, but <laughs> well, that, that, it, was, it, that was the is... thing that they'd done their experiments with Perez, hadn't they? That um, they might as well do Red Bull at the same time as Mercedes because we usually do the top two or three teams. But um, yeah, I mean, they brought Checo in for a set of hard tyres just to do some just to do some data gathering on yeah. when when to pit Max, and that really sort of compromised the end of the race for him. Yeah, because it it was um, it was before the safety cars. Mm. Because Max said when he um, when he came in for his next stop, he didn't want to go on to mediums. Um, he'd been on a set of mediums, but he apparently didn't like them. But the medium was the it was the unfavoured tyre of the weekend, mm. and it was too early for soft. So I think they um, stuck Checo on the hard tyre just to see um, what the drop off would be, what the um, what lack of speed in comparison would be to. Um, to the softer tyres, and that's that's what really did for him. Yeah, that, that's why that's why he was in fifth. That was the best that he could have got with the strategy that they'd planned for him. That was that was a that was a designed fifth place. I don't think it was designed until after the start, probably. Oh no, no, no! It was it it was it was strategy on the fly, because that was that was the way that you know that was the way that the race was panning out. And Red Bull are in a position where, yeah, they can they can sacrifice a few constructors' points, and it's not going to matter if Checo doesn't get on the podium. We're still going to win everything this year. That's the way I see it, anyway. Yeah. Yes, it's uh, hard to see any other outcome, isn't it, other than um, 
you know, Red Bull winning both championships by a considerable margin. Did we work out yesterday that uh, it's mathematically possible in Singapore, but it's more likely to happen in Japan that Verstappen will be? I think, mm-hmm. yeah, I think, I think a lot of things have to go wrong for others in Singapore. Yeah, but uh, which is, Italy. it's not, it's not, and Italy. yeah, it's yeah. not beyond the realms of possibility, let's be honest, yeah. the way Ferrari Italy, are going. Italy and Singapore, um, mm-hmm. you pay, I think basically everybody else has to score, has to not score, and, um, yeah, he needs like a Verstappen, Magnussen, Latifi podium or something like that, and he'll be fine. Well, Monza, you know, yeah, who it knows? Yeah, could happen. <laughs> <laughs> With, you know, we've seen weirder things. A Lance Stroll podium? It's going to be bloody uh, interesting. Baku, yeah. It's going to be bloody interesting watching Ferrari go to Italy with the pressure that's mm. on them in that there. What, Ferrari? Yeah. yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Uh, I mean, Tafosi will um, let them get away with anything until 30 seconds after the chequered flag. And then mm. we riot. Then, the, then they will be calling for blood. <laughs> well, there's already, there's already going to be some sort of rioting going on anyway, isn't it? Because... Um, a load of people that bought tickets for the race Ooh, can't go. Yes, was well, sort of a grandstand that they thought was going to be refurbished has not been refurbished in time, yeah. or presumably being built by Ferrari. Mm. It's just, I mean, if it is, if if Ferrari are anything to do with, I that, joke, I joke, I, <laughs> I don't actually think that's a serious it, thing. No, but wouldn't it be amazing if it was like the Ferrari fan stand? <laughs> What, they'd only put the seat backs on? They didn't actually do the city bit? They're not screwed, yeah. They've not screwed the seats in properly. <laughs> yeah, they didn't, put, they didn't put chairs, they put tables. It's just like a grandstand <laughs> full of tables. <coughs> oh, Ferrari, you provide us with such quality material. <laughs> Never change. Constantly. It, could be, it could be good racing material, though, that's the thing. But it yeah. just isn't. I was going to say, never change, except the left rear. Well, they can't. They can't keep blaming drivers. You know, they've had Ferrari have had like, like basically cracking lineups now for years. You know, even even Vettel before they destroyed him. You know, they got good Vettel. Let's be honest, they still got good Vettel. Yeah, they Vettel broke him. Championships with Ferrari yeah. just didn't. I'm trying. I'm trying to remember the last time Ferrari had a permanent, not standing driver who was. Why the hell's he there? He's also a driver who wasn't the stand-in. Yeah, because I mean, Luca Luca Badoa uh, doesn't really count, and Fisichella didn't get the results when he uh, when he stood in for uh, for Massa. No, it's got to be Nicola Larini, surely in nineteen ninety four. After that, it was a Lacey Burger, and then they went to. Benetton, when um, they did the swap, didn't they? And Schumacher and the, all of Schumacher's team basically went to Ferrari yeah. with Eddie Irvine. Yeah, now I'm just, uh, I'm just looking back. Um, yeah, I think it. Uh, Lorini was only a stand in. Yeah, Lorini, that's what I mean. Oh, he was obviously a permanent driver who he wants yeah. to know why. Yeah, a, per- a permanent. Fuck. I mean, the last time Ferrari had a permanent driver that was absolute pants. I think he was in a seat share that year, wasn't he, Nicola Lorini? Um, no, he only did uh, two races while two races in 94 while Alessi Alace- was out. And oh, right, okay. uh, Ivan, one of them Ivan, was Cap- Imola. Ivan Capelli, 1992. Yeah, he was a full-time driver. 
who was that bad, he got replaced by Nicola Lorini, who could only manage 11th and 12th in the last two races of the season. Well, to be fair, 1992 was probably the worst Ferrari of all time. Still got fourth in the Constructors' Championships, unless he got a couple of podiums out of it. Admittedly, retired more races than he finished. That's when they that's when they did the double chassis, which everyone was like, Oh my god, a double chassis, is this allowed? And I was like, Yes, it's allowed. Is it quick? Absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, that season. Finished finished six six races, all in the top five. And retired in ten. Yeah. But yeah, so obviously I, I think I, Ivan Capelli was the last time Ferrari had a driver that was on the iffy side. Yeah, Fisichella and Bedoa, they were stand-ins, weren't they? Yeah. Uh, Mikasalo as well. Stand-in, yeah, for Schumacher when he broke his leg. Yeah, although he did get um, two podiums during uh, during that season. Um, I'm, just, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to go back even further, because before that you had Mansell was at, was at Ferrari, wasn't he, for two years. Kaylee Alboreto, they still, they still idolise, they still idolise Alboreto. Yeah, it's straight. Ferrari, generally speaking, don't have poor driver choice. They just have poor Ferrari. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, you, you go back. I'm going back as far as 1980, and there's there's some absolute legendary names in there. Uh, so, 1980 would have been Didier Peroni, was it? Um, it was 80 was Schechter and Villeneuve. Schechter and Villeneuve. Yeah, per, uh, Peroni was 81. I mean, 19, the 1980 Ferrari, eight points, 10th place in the Constructors. That's probably the worst Ferrari. But, what, the, what, the 1980 Ferrari? Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, fair enough. Um, and then going back before that, you had Reutemann and Lauder. Uh, uh, they were teammates, weren't they? They were, they were teammates for um, most of 77. And then... Clay Regazzoni was a driver at Ferrari at the, sa- at the same time at as Nicky Lauda. At the same time as Lauda. And then getting behind, getting before that, I start losing Ferrari drivers. Then. Uh, you're, I, you're into the Mario Andretti, Jackie X um, era. See, I can only go back that far, really. And Re- uh, Regazzoni kept coming and going. I don't remember all this. It, I've got, I've got. They ran three cars, didn't they? At Seventy. Six, James, the year James Hunt won the title because they thought that Lauda was going to be out for so long. They they ended up running three cars. With uh, yeah, three Reut- cars. Reut- Reutemann and Lauda was it? And Lauda made a comeback. Yeah, yeah, that's as far back as I can go with Ferrari drivers. I can't go any further back than that. But okay, so you got, I probably you got, got missing. <laughs> but you got you're going you're going back forty six years, and we're on, we're only looking at one iffy driver. I don't know. There's probably more in there. I just can't remember who else is in there. Um, well, well, I mean, we've, we've gone, you know, we've gone through all the permanent, permanent drivers that they had, and oh, we've gone through a lot of them, but they've all they've all been good, and it's Ferrari that have just been the bad ones. Mm. You know, it's bad Ferrari. It's unfortunate. Um, as far as Mercedes go, that track definitely suited them. Yeah, do you think Mercedes might overtake Ferrari for second place before the end of the year? Um, I don't know. I mean, what's what's the gap at the what's the gap at the minute? Thirty points. It's not, imp- not much. It's not impossible. No, it's not impossible. 
And it's not much either, is it? So, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to... I don't know what to suggest for Ferrari. Obviously, Mercedes, I think, are probably going to take second place in the championship. Mm. But let's not take nothing away. Once again, they can't, we, we, we get, what's this, the 10th time this season we've had to say this? Let's take nothing away from Max Verstappen and another absolutely stellar performance from him yeah. in that car with that team. Mm. It was the, I, cause at first, I just thought he did a great restart, but apparently Lewis had his, um, he was in the wrong mode on the restart. Oh, I didn't. Uh... You're not allowed to change engine modes. Oh, see, because they were behind the safety car. Yeah, yeah, maybe he was. Yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah, you are you are allowed to change for that. Mm. Wrong yeah. tire won't have helped either. No, no. And yeah, Lewis made his feelings perfectly clear about um, how he thought they'd got the strategy wrong, and um, I mean, it, it sounded like the year of the bad Monaco pit stop. Yeah. In all fairness, he did. He he did sort of come out and apologise for that, saying how yeah. he was just. I can you know, understand it at the moment. Mm. Yeah, I can absolutely, to- especially when you've got your teammate breathing breathing down your neck mm. as well. Toto you described it. Just then- Toto described it afterwards as um, teams apparently expect drivers to treat them like vomit bags. Oh, that's it's a beautiful image. Uh, um, <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> teams expect drivers to to treat them like vomit bags. Okay. Is that is that? Yeah, I don't know. Is that like a? I think it was in defence of Hamilton in that he was saying, yeah. like, yeah, no, we, we know it happens. They're just spewing out shite. It's fine. But, yeah, it was a lovely image he conjures up. Yeah, and fair play to Lewis for apologising afterwards and saying, look, it was caught, caught in the moment, you know, right on the edge of, of what kind of what he said now, but right on the edge of emotion. Um, it was, uh, you know, to, 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 to do the restarting first and then, you know, a few laps later, you're in fourth. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then the race ends. It, yeah, it's that's gonna that's really going to grate on you. If that happened to me whilst I was doing Formula One on the PlayStation, I'd be pretty pissed off. But, <laughs> you know, it, it's so, so for it to happen in real life. Good Lord. I mean, yeah. he made a point of thanking the mechanics and just the mechanics yes. on these uh, cool down laps. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was a bit pointed at the time, but I mean, I'm sure I'm sure everything's all fine with everyone in that team. And if it isn't, we'll find out very soon. I would have thought so. He, pr- he probably sent Angela Rem to apologise to everyone on his behalf because she does everything for him. <laughs> it, was in a, it was a strange... It was a strange, like, misstep from Mercedes, that, because... They've been so good all day, you know, on strategy. I think I think the the double stack was probably the way to go. You know, to stick them both on the softs. Mm. Yeah, it's it's one of those, isn't it? As soon as they agree to let George stop, they have to let Lewis stop as well. Otherwise, mm. he's always going to get passed by Verstappen. You either keep them both there and at least have that buffer, or you stick them both on the softs and at least give them a chance to defend against what's behind. Yeah. I don't. Would Lewis have been through and passed? The past pit lane before, if if um, if he lost George... the lead, if they stopped him. Mm. No, no, but if George it were if George was like on the approach to pit lane, when then he said, yeah, I presumably want... Lewis yeah. would have gone. At that point, they either have to bring Lewis in on the next go around, or say to George, mm. "No, that that's gonna ruin the team result." Yeah, it does make you wonder whether it was a little bit of gamesmanship on Lewis on um, George's part. Well, if it was, it worked for him. Yeah, I was going to say Absolutely. he he got he got yeah, the yeah. best of it. Yeah. Um, you know, if it, maybe if it, it's it, you, it's just fucking thoughts now, but 
if you've got a driver that's been put on the mediums and he's he's thought to himself at the time thing this is not the bad way because and on his way round, he's thought right i'm i'm getting these off and i'm getting soft on whether they like it or not yeah and that's why that's why it was such a late call you know from saying i'm coming in i want i want mm-hmm. soft tires and at that point it's just like panic just just don't do it he's, he's coming in mm. i mean it, you know it it definitely worked alonso-ish to be if if i'll be honest you know like we're like in the in the teammate battle uh uh like wars it's a alonso-esque move yeah made, if, it, if made, it, made, it, made it all about him strong yeah. Armed it. yeah yeah but, but yeah, there'd be no, without that, there'd be no Mercedes on the on the podium. Because they would have both got caught by the Ferraris. I imagine yeah. that's what George would have been thinking about. I'd have been like, oh shit, there's two cars behind us on fresh softs. So mm-hmm. That's going to be a problem. Yeah. Um, but Red Bull pulled it out again. Yeah, okay, the sacrifice Perez, but it got on the data that gave Max the race. I was so good. I had 10 quid on a um, Red Bull 1-2. What, mm-hmm. what, sorry, Verstappen Perez, because the other way around would just be ridiculous. Um, and I had 10 quid on George Russell to win. Oh, I, I, I only had um, two quid on George to win. I yeah. knew I should have gone each way. And two quid on Sainz. Mm, that didn't work out too well no, either. No, it no. didn't. No, that's that's four quid or nearly a pint. I won't Are you going to be sending an invoice to the uh, Ferrari pit stop people for cocking that one up? I'd, I'd cost more in postage. <laughs> um, this wasn't 20 quid. <laughs> Rockstars and wankers. <laughs> I don't think we're going to have to think too much about wankers, are we? No, I mean, we've already, we've already said has for the pit stops. Maybe it's something to do with the shape of that particular car. <laughs> yeah. Um I'm just trying to think Rockstars. Obviously we've said the pigeon. Um mm-hmm. Max, Red Bull, and the strategy and the team in general. Mm. Uh honourable mention for Lando and Fernando. I think they, they had especially Fernando had a cracking race, didn't he? And uh, Lando just did what the car was capable of doing. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to say Lance Stroll as well. For actually getting an Aston Martin in the top ten, which doesn't happen yeah. all that often. Yeah, fair yeah. enough. Yeah. I know. I know. We're normally uh, we're normally pretty harsh on him, but um, he was the fastest Aston Ma- Aston Martin driver. It's like a second yeah. on the bill sort of yeah. rock star, rather than like a headline rock star. Yeah, he's um, yeah. So mid afternoon on the second stage. At the festival. Yeah, solid, solid. I wonder if that car's better than it is. If it had like a a, a decent driver, not someone who's yeah. checked out already and not someone who's a bit shit. Yeah, and because like, Stroll can be like half decent sometimes. Mm. So but it's very a bit like, inconsistent. You know, remember all the conversations we had for years about how good Williams was and we didn't realise because I bought us and Massa in it. <laughs> bit like that. I miss those days. <laughs> so do Williams. <laughs> yeah, what was it they said this week? Williams has finished in every position since 2014, except first. Ah. Yes. <laughs> Bloody hell. Hmm. Um, yeah, any others? It's <laughs> like saying, I've had every mood except, except happy. the best mm. one. Yeah. <laughs> um, the Danny Ricardo Participation Award goes to Danny Rick. Yeah. I think we have to... Well, I mean... 
I think that, it was even it, it, that that was even worse than participation award. Like that was negative points, wasn't it? Yeah, I think this someone weekend. like a Guan Yu Zhou is more like a sort of completely neutral participant this weekend. Yeah, yeah, we didn't we didn't get to see a great deal of him either. Um, that was about that was about it. Now before we do um, before we do a Monza preview uh-huh. and predictions, we've we've got. I'm, I'm I'm springing this on everyone. It's a slightly new game. This is just a one-off. What is happening? But it's carrying on with the Yorkshire theme of who the bloody hell's that then. This one's called How Bloody Much? I'm interested. <laughs> right, I thought you might be. So, the, the Intrigued. Sun, the sun, the, I can't, I can't is this a quick quiz? Because I've got to be honest, I'd forgotten we were doing a Monza preview and I do need a wee. It'll be quick. Okay. It's, a, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's only a quick thing. So I can't say who, I can't say who sent this in on there, but he, um, he knows who he is, and I'll tell the rest of you later. But the scenario is, um, you're hosting an event, and you want an after-dinner speaker. And because you're a Formula One fan, you want to get a Formula One-related after-dinner speaker. Okay. So mm-hmm. you want to get um, you want to get some quotes for how much it'll cost for usual after-dinner speaking. I see. Is this going to be like a higher or lower situation? Yeah. So, um, your baseline is... is well better than total should. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm gripped. I must admit, I'm, 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 I'm here. Your, ba- your baseline for this yes. is friend of the podcast, Jenny Gow, who charges £3,000 okay. for an after-dinner speech. Reasonable price. Yeah. I okay. think so. Okay. Um, now, if Jenny Gow charges 3000 Put your heads together, and how much do the following charge? Oh, God. So your first one is the original Stig, Perry McCarthy. Perry McCarthy. Now, he did drive Formula One for a very short time, didn't he? About 150 yards, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) That is quite short. Mm. See, I'd like to think think he'd be lower than... Like professional journalist Jenny Gow. I think I, don't I think, think someone so, who made it, yeah, someone who yeah. made it to F one will have more ego than Jenny Gow, despite the fact she might be in the present time a lot more relevant. Yeah, I I think he might be a seven grand booking. I was going to say eight. Ooh. I was going to say ten. <laughs> <laughs> you can book Perry McCarthy for three. Really? Oh, same as a Jenny right. Gow. Same as Jenny Gow. Wow. All right. So I could have like a three Perry McCarthy's and some change from what <laughs> I was like, what he might cost. We're down to earth guy, working class hero, love him. Okay. Crofty. Oh. <sighs> ten grand. I reckon he rates himself. Yeah, I reckon he's about ten grand. Yeah. I'm going to say about eight based on the last one. Okay. Between three and five. Wow. Oh, okay. These people work for Peter. Modest. Yeah, right. Why haven't we had more guests? Because <laughs> <laughs> we don't pay three grand a guest. <laughs> why why, why, exactly don't why don't start that guests? rumor that we pay people three grand to turn up. <laughs> patrons, do, no, patrons do your then thing. They'll, then they'll turn up. Well, you assumed. <laughs> All right then, um, Jensen. Ooh. Oh, hundred grand. And a drive. He he should be charging more than three grand. I'm gonna go. Well, I'm but, gonna go ten because if if like we we thought Crofty was a ten. Yeah. Crofty's not a ten. An ex Formula One world champion. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Got to be, it's got go it's got to be ten or above, hasn't it? I think you're looking minimum five figures here. Yeah. 
10 to 12. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's reasonable. Mark Webber. Read his mark. Wait. Um, I think he'd be the same, you know. Yeah. And I'll tell you, and I'll tell you why I think that he'll be the same is because that, like Jensen, him, were in that sort of little group of drivers, weren't they, which were all mates. Mm-hmm. I bet they've got the same agent. Or the ones that would go cycling and mm. that lot. But there is a world championship in it for Jensen. There is. So. I think Weber's quite a character, though, isn't he? I imagine he is a very I'm entertaining yeah. after-dinner speaker. Yeah, I've got to think 16. Oh, hello. Wow. <laughs> I was thinking maybe more like 12. Uh, I think 10. I, I think... The uh, the extra two grand that Jensen can charge is the world championship. Okay. Webber will be a flat ten. All right, Flood, you were the closest. It's actually fifteen. Wow. Flee, wow. fuck. <laughs> Jensen's underselling himself, isn't he? Yeah, absolutely. Nice guy, see. And fi- and finally, oh. and finally, James Allen. Oh! Oh no! <laughs> Five hundred and sixty million pounds. I can't ten, imagine ten, ten. he brings the charisma to a speech. I can't. I'm not feeling it. I'm gonna go. I don't know. Do you know what the thing is though? You know the people that go to um, that hire James Allen mm-hmm. to give Nerds. an dinner speech yeah. are going to be just as twatty as him. Yeah, they're going to love it. <laughs> <laughs> they are. It's just going to be a load of people that are like upper middle management jobs. I mean, the only ta- the only time I've come across James Allen, he was elbowing elbowing me out of the way at the Mercedes launch to get to the espresso bar before me. I spoke to James Allen in, a, in an airport after the um, after the Belgian Grand Prix, where, uh, when you remember he, he did the uh, interview with, with David Coulthard. He interviewed David Coulthard after the Belgian Grand Prix. Oh, after that, that one. Yeah, and the, and he, he he was asked sort of a, where, what did you say? And Coulthard said, and he, so he said, you tried to fucking kill me uh, when he was talking about Schumacher. Yeah, I, he was on the he was in the queue uh, waiting to get on the same plane as me. <laughs> I didn't even I, to be perfectly honest, I didn't know who James Allen was. <laughs> I didn't know it was James Allen at the time. I was only told afterwards. But the question is, how much did he charge you for that conversation? <laughs> yeah, but not. Oh, if it I depends if it was after dinner after. or not, doesn't it? So, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go um, eight grand based on the tariffs we've seen so far. I would. I, I, he sorry, should on, be first. about two and a half, but Pounds. it's probably of pork. Oh, but, <laughs> uh, <laughs> <but> it's, <laughs> so we've not specified currency up until now. No. But I, I, I think I, it should be about two and a half, but I reckon he charges a solid 13. Oof. I think he rates himself as highly as Mark Webber. Jesus. And it's 16 grand because I think he sells himself on. He was in Formula One through the Schumacher era. And I bet that's it. He just gets up and talks about like that era of Formula One, which if you happen to be in a company renting guest speakers for dinners would be just the type of era that if you're sort of in your mid, uh, mid to late fifties was, you would believe think was the, the, the heyday of formula one. Just quickly, if we disappear, it's, or if one of us disappears, there's a, a massive lightning storm moving through the UK and it's just in the Irish sea now. 
Oh, is um, it? Yeah. Oh. We better crack so, on that. Yeah. So, make your guess. I said eight. Eight. Flood? I saying I think he rates himself higher than Jensen Button. I think he thinks he's about 13 grand. I think Flood's right, but I'm still going to say 16. <laughs> 10. Wow. Uh, so there you go. That That is how much it would cost you to get an F1 after-dinner speaker. Can we just sit, like, for a split second? Like, we've all done it. We've, we've all spent too much money on a night out and woke up the next day going, oh, or bought something. And then before you can actually, when you come to your senses and you try and cancel it on Amazon, it's already been shipped. Imagine the buyer's remorse you've got when you've just spent 10 grand on James Allen. I'd be like getting drunk and buying six VR headsets. It was eight. (laughs) (laughs) And they called you the next day, to be fair. No, no, I I called them immediately. Oh, did you? Uh, Yeah, yeah, I I rang that. I was like, that was a fucking accident. I was just like, one of the £800 fucking VR headsets. Thank you very much, (laughs) please. So, we have Monza this weekend. Um, it's fast. We all know it. It's straight. Couple of sh- three chicanes, couple of curves, and yeah. put your foot Usually down. a bit boring. This, se- this season means that it's full-on Red Bull territory, doesn't it? Because yeah, that straight-line speed of that car is just insane. Yeah, it's going to be, it's gonna be uh, what do you call it? Uh, Belgium all over again for the Red Bulls, where they just disappear. Mm. Yeah. So I think I think the big question really is who's going to come third. At the moment, I'd say a Mercedes because I think they're in the process of overhauling Ferrari. Um, but it is Ferrari's home race, so you don't know. Sometimes they get really good luck. More often than not, they mm. cock it up. I. Uh... I I I, th- I think they're too far off, you know. What, Mercedes, yeah, no Ferrari, like for the for the for pulling something together for for the Italian Grand Prix. Oh yeah, no, but is is a third place because oh clearly... sorry, I thought I sorry, I thought you were talking about um about Ferrari pulling. No, something I'm, out. I'm 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 pretty convinced it's a Red Bull one too. Yeah. Of course it is, yeah, but as a third place, it's got to be either between Mercedes and Ferrari, I would think. Uh, yeah. prob- probably a Mercedes could be a Ferrari. Mm. Yeah, I, isn't, I, it, isn't it weird how uh, uh, AlphaTauri hasn't got the uh, the straight line speed? You know, it's like that that straight line speed that that um, Red Bull have got is nowhere to be seen from the sister team with the same engines. Yeah, it's an aero thing, isn't it, with yeah. Red Bull, the philosophy that they've gone down. Yeah. Although, although Mercedes, I don't know how long they'll stick to their guns on this, but Mercedes still say that eventually that's going to put them into a into a uh, corner where they can't develop the car anymore, and they believe that their philosophy is going to leave them open to de- to, to further develop and out develop the rest of the field, which remains uh, to be seen. Yeah, so I the, feel the, that so they're, they're going to try going to try and improve on the deflated Dalek. Uh, as far as the car design thing goes right now, I think Mercedes might need to mine their own beeswax. It's It was a brave choice to go down that route. I'm just going to excuse myself for reasons that will be very funny. Um, our late presenter has locked herself out of work and I live the closest. <laughs> and she's on air in three minutes. So. Oh, right. So you're going to have to disappear. 
Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. So while while Sean goes off to save a radio station, this is this is Ree who occasionally um, has been a so uh, right. A, a so this I'm, is the uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna run. Yeah. Sean Sean has to run and go go open up a radio studio in um, very quick time, um, and also probably having to limbo a little bit as well to get under the mic stands. Um, to be well, fair, Rianne's got you know she's got the news at ten. Surely somebody will do the news, and then she's got until after that. So I mean, it's going to be one of those. Just I'm, do you know what? I'm going to put it on. I'm going to I'm going to put the radio on and listen at the same yeah. time. In that in that case, as it's two minutes to ten, we probably best wrap this up now. If you want to make your own predictions, then go to threelegspodwheels dot com. Go to the game section, and predictions are open for the uh, Italian Grand Prix this weekend. Um, predict your top three or two Red Bulls and whoever you think is going to come third. There's Sean's keys. That's the keys to the radio station. <laughs> and um, if you also want to help the show out to buy a faster car to get up the hill so that Sean can get to the radio station in time to save the day, um, you can donate through Patreon, um, patreon.com slash three legs ball wheels. Um, get us on all the socials, um, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Three Legs Four Wheels, and email Three Legs Four Wheels at Gmail dot com. Individually yeah. on Twitter, we are uh, at Flood Twenty One. Uh, Sean, at Sorry, I forgot yeah. Sean's gone. It, yeah, it, <laughs> we're out of order. Sean is at Sean Cowper, and I am at Pablo One Hundred. Um, all being well, with the wind in the right direction, we will be back next week. Um, We'll have the Italian Grand Prix to talk about and not a race to preview because we get we got a week off. We're at the end of a triple header. Gotta be so, honest, triple headers are a bit too much, but they were, yeah, the, were never gonna happen again after um after the first one, were they? No, I enjoy no. it after the summer break, but I think it kinda makes the summer break a bit silly. Because it's like, yeah, we'll give everybody a rest, right? What are we doing is straight after the summer break where we're gonna race for three weeks straight. Yeah. yeah you get as long on as you had off. Yeah. It doesn't it don't really make it much of a break because you're then just as knackered as you were before the break started. Mm. Anyway, we'll see how th- we'll see how things go in Monza this weekend, and uh, we'll see you soon. We're all gonna go. Yes. We're all gonna go listen to Manx Radio now. <laughs> yes. Or lack of it. Save yeah. the day. Yeah. See you later. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye bye.